Major announcement day in Marlin's content world. No doubt about it. Fish on first is born. We're going to dig into that, of course, with the, the creator, the owner. Eli Sussman is in the show. And we've got some cause pain to dig into today. Boy, oh boy, the Marlins, they missed that opportunity over that four-game series against the Rockies. We also have to talk about potential upgrades. How can this team get better? The Herald have got an article out talking about shortstop and catcher. Specifically, tons to get into, all on today's Locked on Marlins. You are Locked on Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked on Marlins. This, of course, is your daily Marlins podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up, of course, on Twitter at Miami Marlins underscore UK. If you're listening to the pod, hit subscribe. Of course, it is your team every day. And thanks for making Locked on Marlins your first listen of the day. Head over to YouTube, hit subscribe there also. Yes, you will be blown away by the new graphics package, including an agenda. Yes, Locked on Marlins now has an agenda item. I will be adding, moving forwards, a specific item to say multiple segues. So there will be things that we will cover that are not included on the agenda, just to call it out. Um, However, guys, welcome to Locked on Marlins. Happy Friday, firstly. Sorry and my apologies for yesterday. No episode yesterday. Some people may be asking, why? Pete, where were you? I was canoeing. I was on a work team building event. Canoeing, you can see it's sunny here in the UK right now. It is hot and my face is scorched. Four hours down a river. I did have a paddle though. That's the good news. So I ended up down the down the creek, but I did have a paddle to get back out of it. Nevertheless, Eli Sussman is here and I feel like this is the perfect day for Eli Sussman to join me. Big news dropping today. In Marlin's content world is how I describe it. The founder of Fish on First. Eli, firstly, welcome to the show. How are we doing, brother? I'm doing terrific. As you said, this does feel like appropriate time for me to get you caught up on the last couple of days of Marlin's baseball and you to help me out with this what happened to Fish Stripes media tour <laughs> to get everybody on the same page. Let's Even go. as clear as you could possibly be about what's happening, it takes a while for to get everybody moved over you know the blessing is that we've had a really big audience there for a while and then the other side of that is it takes uh, different amounts of time for those people to realize what happened and where we're going now but continuing (laughs) what we love to do uh, just like you love to do this pod i I love running uh, our own outlet you could say covering the marlins as well and uh, we're making a pretty big transition no doubt. We're going to dig into the autopsy um, very soon, I think. Before we do that, let's talk about our show sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Yes, sir. Go to birddogs.com slash MLB. And when you enter the promo code LOCKEDONMLB, it's all caps, by the way, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. More about those guys later on. But, Eli, let's, let's, you know, let's start at the top, mate. A lot of people waking up today, digging into Twitter like myself. You teased out an announcement was coming. Fish Stripes, at least your involvement with Fish Stripes, is no more. And Fish on First is now the new outlet, your new outlet. So just try and help navigate us as massive fans. And I want to call out Fish Stripes. And with you running that has been 
world-class, elite. It is the elite Marlins go-to place for any content, and you do so much. It's absolutely incredible, mate. So firstly, I always tip my cap to you. I'm delighted to hear that it's carrying on. I know there can be some differences in commercial arrangements. It's just the way it goes sometimes, but I'm delighted to hear that through that, the phoenix has risen, right? And fish on first has risen. But try to take our guys through what's happened, what they can expect, where to go, point them in the right directions. Because listen, everyone needs to make sure they're tuned into this now. So the simplest way to explain it is that I felt the staff that I had assembled at Fist Stripes had been involved with the site for nearly seven years at some level. I'd been running it as the site manager for almost five or more than five full years. Mm. And we'd reached a point where the staff that we assembled and what we were doing with that staff had just outgrown the model that SB Nation had. They founded it as a really traditional fan blog. Mm. And we had people that wanted to do a lot more than just blogging. So credentialed coverage, that's, that's kind of a big eye-catcher, the fact that we've been able to cover the majority of Marlins games this year in person, mm. and also just the multimedia that we did outside of that provided website. They provided the URL, but we built a, a YouTube audience from scratch, an Instagram account from scratch, a TikTok crowd from scratch, and all the content that we filled up there. We spent the vast majority of our time doing things that weren't even on the main site. By that and also by interacting with everybody on social media in that way. And the business model just didn't fit anymore where they only cared about the blog posts that we were doing. And uh, we cared about doing a lot of different other things to go along with that. Um, So the long story short is that in recent years, SB Nation, um, they've been trimming sites out of their entire network. They used to pride themselves on covering every single team and all the major American sports, as well as some international sports as well. Mm. And they have backtracked on that whole principle moving forward. Um, the sites that remain are, they invest less in those sites than they used to, even with um, the growth of those sites, even with inflation being a factor, a very real yeah. factor. As well. and, yeah. So the dollars just did not add up. Uh, and I felt it was more important for me to retain the great people I had and have them doing what they do than mm. it was to stay with the site. Yeah. Um, just because I'd been there before. There would be other ways. Um, there are so many countless examples of those who have gone out on their own independently and covered teams just as well as these uh, ones that are attached to more prestigious parent companies. So I just mm. reached a point where uh, I prioritized that over everything else. The fans deserve to have an outlet like us, mm. and I couldn't run the outlet um, profitably the way that I wanted to, if I would say to where we were at. Uh, so I should have done this before the season. I think it's as simple as that. I, I can't die away from that. This is inconvenient um, to have it during the season, but we're going to do the best that we can. And thankfully we had a lot of control of the levers that we did have. Um, but the most important thing is that the new website is fishonfirst.com. So the exact same amount of characters as fish stripes, it's fish on first <laughs> that will help with it. The, the color scheme, the logo is is comparable. We try to keep some continuity there because people mm. liked fish. Oh, some people like fish traps. Enough people like fish traps <laughs> that I think anybody that liked it will like us because the biggest thing is that I'm bringing everybody with me. Everybody. Yeah. Um, about we've had I think more than 15 different people just this season alone contributing on some level, mm. and they're all coming with me. So that we're doing the same coverage at this new place, and it, setting it up in such a way that we can 
we feel we can grow it and we can maintain it a lot more comfortably. Mm. The new site is fishonfirst.com. The new Twitter handle, fishonfirst, just like that as well. So, yeah, I, I just ask people to find the new site and find the new Twitter handle and to share that as well, um, just to get everybody on the same page. If we simply have the audience we had before, where we are now, then we're going to be um, extremely humbled and we think we'll be successful in that way. So it's a simply a matter of migrating that audience from fish stripes to fish on first. Just imagine if there was a way, a button, right, where you could just press like a migration button and go, okay, the fish stripes account, you know, the Twitter handle, migrate to fish on first. And it would just take all of those followers across, if only, right? But um, what's uh, it's great to hear that the full, the full band, the, you know, the full crew continue on and everyone's uh, bought into this, which, you know, absolutely doesn't surprise me whatsoever. Um, so in effect, we're expecting similar but better con- I know it mate I know you I know you will have a few things up your sleeve is there anything you could tease out now in terms of new bits that might be sprinkled in there in terms I mean I, I don't I don't know how you do what you currently do to be honest mate there's so much in there already but is there anything you wanted to tease out at this point that we should kind of look for in the near term um from uh, from the new outlook uh, there's just things that I wanted to do this year that I don't have even though it feels like I spent a lot of time putting content out there are things that have are left on the cutting room table when we're previously set up. So I just mm. look forward to getting those things up, um, especially on the minor league side. That's something that I've not been able to, um, I've been following that stuff as closely as ever. We're going to, I guess I can yeah. tease that we're putting out our new updated top 30 prospects list on fish on first. I was about to do that on fish drives when <laughs> we divorced from them. And now it's a, it's a fish on first thing. So we'll have that up this okay. upcoming week. But in general, yeah, I want to, we've reached a point where thankfully it's very convenient to um, organize and disseminate minor league highlights if you have the time to do so. Mm. Um, and I feel like we can do that at a very effective level to get people familiar with um, you know, the next wave of Marlins players. As much as the emphasis is, is on the major league team this year, and, and it certainly should be, um, yeah. that is one area that has just been I had to, when you had to make choices about what you're going to do every day, mm. um, I, most days I wasn't able to do that the way that I intended to this year. And I feel like that is something that I'll have the flexibility to do moving forward. Other, other than that, it's you know, just a continuation of things we've yeah. already been doing because we're deep enough into the season that there's not really any uh, surprises that we have to pop up um, in terms of just uh, all our individual shows um, on our podcast channel and in the daily coverage that we provide on the site in article form, the special edition shows like Marlins Jeopardy. We'll continue doing those. And um, yeah, I think um, overall, uh, if we just do uh, like 10% more, get 10% more content out than we were prior mm-hmm. to this. And I think we will under this new setup. Yep. And uh, hopefully people will find that really valuable. I, It's a guarantee. It's a lock, man. It is. So congrats to you. For making, you know, sometimes these these decisions are tough to make, but they have to be made. But the overall, the end goal, the end result is that the content, the coverage is better. And your followers, fans, enjoy it even more. So it's only a positive. And hopefully everyone that's listening in, you know, will hit the button right now. Hit the migration button. Get over on from a Twitter perspective at Fish on First. That's where you need to head. Get over there. Get following. Looking forward to Grant Kiefer's updated 
um, super subscriber things maybe in the future. I mean, yes, yeah, so bring that with us as well. Absolutely. Yeah. At the, I've had a lot of questions about exactly how we're doing that. And there've been people that are very eager to support us one way or another. So mm-hmm. we will have more details about that this, this coming week. It just takes a few days to get that, uh, the permissions to set that up the way we'd like to. Lovely. All right, Eli, congrats to you, mate. And, um, you know, you know, I'm a big fan and we'll continue to be a big fan. So looking forward to it. Um, let's hit the first ad. And um, then let's get into some Marlins uh, specific conversations. I have to, you know, a disclaimer here. I haven't watched the last two games. I've seen the scores, but I haven't seen anything uh, live. And so I'm going to need to lead on Eli here and use his eyes and his experience in terms of what he's seen and kind of help me understand this cause pain. Because for me, I felt like this was a missed opportunity for the Marlins. They didn't play well in this series in many, in many ways. They, they rattled up some hits didn't manage to get enough wins. So we'll dig into that. Also, this Herald article that drops, talking about a shortstop and potentially a catcher. Well, no, I think it's more emphasis on the catching position, to be honest with you, in terms of upgrade. But equally, it was referenced at shortstop, which is, again, interesting. So we'll dig into that. But before we do that, time to let you know about our show sponsor as well, actually, the Bird Dogs, guys. Um, I must say, before I hit hit, um, record this evening, I went back to the Bird Dogs site to check it out and try to dig out some of these product names that are tickling me. And I've been, because I've been canoeing all day, I thought, right, what are the bathing suit options? Because I've been in swim shorts all day. I was like, right, what have they got? Anyway, I found these ones. I thought these this, this name definitely made me chuckle. And this is the funny thing about their product names. You've got the Brad Shits. The Brad Shits pair of shorts. Shits as in S C H I T. Z, which I thought was an interesting play on words. <laughs> they are a light colored short with a yellow drawstring is how I would say it. Either way, thing is with the bird dogs, um, all of their products and it's shorts, it's slacks, you name it. It's all about fit and comfort and versatility, flexibility. You can transition from event to event to event, maybe going from canoeing Straight back home to a cocktail bar or a wine bar. Yeah, I think I could have pulled it off with the uh, the Brad shits today. Um, nevertheless, I've already teased it out anyway, but there is an offer available for you, and you need to get over to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB. And when you enter the promo code locked on MLB, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. So fit, comfort, versatility, product names that are hilarious, and a free tumbler. Head on over. All right, Eli. So, cause. This series, in my opinion, we were set up here for the Marlins. I I felt like it was an opportunity. The Rockies aren't good. The pitching's been absolutely dreadful. And I felt like this was a real opportunity for the Marlins to act. And their record in cause, historically, is putrid. I was like, this is the time. Let's get into cause. Let's win the series. If there's a sweep, you know, a four-game sweep is always tough, but... I thought this was an opportunity to win the series. To come away losing three of the four is disappointing. Very disappointing. And the manner of some of the defeats, equally disappointing. What was your kind of overall assessment of this series just in totality? And then we'll kind of dig into the last two games as well. <laughs> Surprising is where I start off. We do predictions before every single series um, mm-hmm. with our streams and with our super subscribers, not a single person predicted the Marlins to lose the series. I predicted no. a sweep, uh, no, no, not a sweep, a split, 
And I was okay. close to getting that split, but not a single person foresaw them losing. The Rockies are a really bad team, and they, they are. seemingly met them at a vulnerable time. Even CJ Crone, I think it was just last year that CJ Crone was the one that was mainly responsible. Yep. And Brendan, the two guys that stick out from last year, Crone and Rogers, yep. both of those had incredible numbers when these teams met last year. Of course, and both of them were not even playing. It seems to line up just extremely well. Um, just to start immediately with the positive from at least past couple of games was Sandy in mm-hmm. that one game that they did win Sandy making a quality start in course, six innings, two earned runs. And the second one came at the very end of that outing when they already had a comfortable lead for people that are panicking. I've been on the side that Sandy is pretty much fine. And I'm not, I wasn't overreacting to his five ERA to start the year. And so that was just, it just reinforced that I think he's going to be, all right, even if he's not going to win another Cy Young this year. No, uh, that, that that was the positive on the pitching side. Aside from that, um, yeah, not a whole lot of standouts on that side, and that um, somewhat understandable considering when you play yeah. a course, it is for yeah. many reasons the most hitter friendly environment in all of baseball. And what we saw in the series was a combination of balls going out of the yard and a lot of no doubt home runs from mm. unsuspecting people on both teams, but also just a lot of balls in play that were falling in between mm. um, on the offensive side. The star is Jonathan Davis. Uh, he made these last two days, six for seven in those two games combined, Incredible. which was about as good to, to the start of any Marlins career that we've ever seen for a deal that uh, I honestly was not a fan of. I thought it was, um, at best, an incremental upgrade over the other outfielders they already had in their organization. That he's essentially replacing Peyton Burdick, um, a, a journeyman who was not successful in a bunch of previous opportunities in the majors. You need to give him credit. Off to an amazing start. He hit one of those surprising home runs, an opposite field homer that just snuck mm. over the <laughs> right field wall. Um, <laughs> so with him, uh, that was you need to feel great for him. A player yeah. that, as I said, has, just hasn't had success before. I think he's 31 years old. Mm. Um, he, he need, you need to have some success during this stint in order to ensure that he gets opportunities beyond 2023. And it's off to an amazing start. So you need to be really thrilled about him. And as I mentioned with the pitching, just a, a combination of balls going out and also balls falling in between. So with that, Lost in the series finale. Dylan Floro gives up three earned runs. Um, mm. uh, a couple of it was he didn't really the feel for his slider, and he kept getting behind in counts because he couldn't get it where he wanted to. Uh, and the most crippling individual pitch that he threw was um, a two-run bloop single from Mike Moustakis that would have been a pop-out in a lot of places, except for here, where the center fielder and the middle infielders are so far apart that nobody was able... It fell into no-man's land. Mm. Uh, So the Marlins rally, the top of the next inning, down four runs. It was almost a carbon copy of that Braves game that they rallied to win in Atlanta. Um, uh, Garrett Cooper, game-tying home run, but ultimately not enough because of how far they were behind. And then also in the bottom of that next inning, Oscar Brazabon just can't find the strike zone. Um, The bullpen was incredible for the the most of that first quarter of the season. Uh, I don't think anybody really fully believed that it was sustainable, especially with AJ puck being out as long as he has been uh, still been out. That's been, I thought he was a little bit closer to returning than he actually is. And without him, there's, it's just another somewhat inconsistent part of the team so Mm. it's hard to there are bright spots from every facet of this team at times but uh certainly on this road trip they have not had it all firing on all cylinders at the same time 
No, definitely. The, you're right. There are, there are bright spots to talk about. I must say the pen in particular is has definitely had a step back, but the pen was just playing out of its mind um, for the first quarter. It was unsustainable. And like you said, with Puck going down, you know, it's going to create a challenge there for certain. Brazzaban in particular, I'd say, has you know, had a real sticky spell the last couple of weeks. Uh, pretty much since uh, JT Chaguar returned, it was all of a sudden Brazzaban just lost it, in effect. And actually, as soon as Chaguar went on the IL, Brazzaban turned into a stud. So I don't know what the, the funky connection is with those guys. Um, it's coincidental, I think, clearly. But yeah, you know, we're never going to be looking to the pitching performances. But Jonathan Davis, mate, what a story there. Uh, I mean, it's just absolutely insane, this start to his Marlins career. And it sounds like it's necessary. We don't quite know how things are going to play out with Jazz. I mean, you know, this this toe issue, you know, the timeline's being put on it, but who knows? You know, it, it, it's possible that Jonathan Davis is a starting center fielder here right through June, possibly. Like, we don't quite know how, how soon Jazz will be back. Um, but if if all of a sudden Kim makes this deal out of nowhere and everyone's like, oh, is this just like a depth-for-depth depth piece and this is kind of going to go to AAA and actually comes in, I don't think the current num- numbers are sustainable. But, you know, if we see decent production from the center fielder there, like, you got to point to Kim and go, impressive move again, really. You really have to, to identify this guy that's kind of in AAA wasteland at 31 years of age in the Tigers organization and to find someone that can actually contribute that you need. I mean, you kind of have to applaud Kim for, for being able to piece this together, I think, right? Yeah, the one thing that stood out from Davis, even when he was kind of inconsistent in the past, is the center field defense was pretty legitimate. Mm. And so far, certainly the bat has been what's carried him, but that's the reason why they were interested about him in the first place, is a meaningful yeah. upgrade defensively over Xavier Edwards, who doesn't have very much position at all, experience at all in center field. And then no. Peyton Burdick, um, there's no way to really sugarcoat it. He, um, he did not take advantage of his opportunity. He did not mm. be the player that I thought he was capable of being either hitting or, or running. So because of that, I think it's going to be a surprisingly long, like it could be a very substantial role that Davis has between now and when jazz gets back, he wants to come back. Jazz does in about two weeks. That was the date he circled. And he's been telling people about, I think uh, Christina Dinacola was the first one to report that he wants that White Sox series in the second week of June okay. to come back. But then it was just um, today, the Miami Herald saying that Marlins privately are anticipating a couple extra weeks beyond that. Mm. Um, so we'll be sometime in June with him coming back. But there's a big difference, obviously, between mid-June and the end of June. Yeah. So Davis will um, it'll give him a lot of time to either prove himself or as hot a start as he is, this could be enough time for him to regress entirely into the player that he used to be and not really look like a major league caliber could go in any different direction even in a small sample it's going to be one to follow no doubt i mean let's let's hope let's hope that davis can you know keep a level of uh yeah a level that he's been at anyway thus far it'd be it'd be pretty impressive let's let's hit the second out of the day and um, then there's a, there's a few other news and notes to get into here. I did see uh, Jesus Sanchez is having a rehab start today. Talking about minor league coverage, we've got Jesus Sanchez going in AAA, uh, which is important. I also want to lean on Eli as well, just talking again about this Herald article, thinking about what, what potential upgrades there could be at shortstop and catcher. Um, there's some obvious, obvious names in some ways, but wanted to really talk about that as well. 
Uh, and also just finally touch on Jorge Soler, who is, he's absolutely scorching hot right now. He's absolutely trending. And what you get is the chatter across the league now of, are we going to go and get Jorge Soler from the Marlins? Like everyone's starting to look at him and think he could be a re- realistic um, trade target for those clubs too. Interested to see how the Marlins play it with Soler, obviously with this opt-out, which uh, he'll be opting out of. Um, I think it's pretty guaranteed at this point. But um, before we do that, guys, final ad. And it's our uh, it's our good friends over at Rocket Money. I love this one too, guys. So first off, it's a personal finance app. Don't let that put you off. It's there to cancel any unwanted subscriptions and monitor your spending and help you lower your bills all in one place. Sounds amazing, right? 80% of people have subscriptions they forget about. Chances are you're one of them. Like that Stars app just to watch one show. Or uh, what else have you got? That free gaming trial that you never actually used. Rocket Money will quickly and easily find your subscriptions for you. And for any you don't want to pay for anymore, just hit cancel. And Rocket Money will cancel it for you. It's that easy. Rocket Money also helps you manage all your finances in one place, automatically categorizing your expenses so you can easily track your budget in real time. And also, get alerted if anything looks off. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, saving the average person and most locked-on listeners. They're not average. They're above average. But the average person, up to 720 bucks a year. Unbelievable. Stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash locked on MLB. That's rocketmoney.com slash locked on MLB. No brainer. Absolute no brainer on that one. Um, Eli, talk to me about the catcher position. The Heralds, in some depth, were talking about catcher uh, in, in their article today, which says to me, there's a lot of chatter internally, I would say, within the Marlins about how they can solve this. As soon as you start to get multiple paragraphs in a Herald article about a position, then it's pretty clear the Marlins are looking for an upgrade. I'm intrigued. Let's maybe start with who's currently in the building. I'm intrigued to see how this Jacob Stallings situation plays out because really, fundamentally, Jacob Stallings, he isn't delivering offensively. He never really has. But he's really not delivering defensively either. And thus, we're at a point where you know, Jacob Stallings is offering no value really on the field at this point. There may be some off the field stuff that there's value add, but it feels like the time is really ticking with Stallings and we could be, you know, we're approaching a DFA situation here, I think perhaps in some ways with Stallings, which for me is wild looking back on where we were at when that trade happened. I was, I was on the Stallings hype train. Many were on the Stallings hype train Mm -hmm. and it's just gone so badly so quickly, hasn't it? It has. From the the very first game he had as a Marlin, that was a resounding success. It he, was. <laughs> he threw out a runner, and he hit a very clutch home run. He did. And almost since then, there's been just very, very few and far between contributions from him. Um, the bottom line is, you look at replacement level as the number that um, replacement low production by wins above replacement. That generally, when somebody is floating around there, you always have to consider, you know, what else do we have? When with him. He's been so far below that level last year, and even more so this year. Um, there's, it's there are it's hard to find redeeming qualities of his game at this point. <laughs> consider, and it's shocking considering how good he was this season before they acquired him. He was even as a hitter, he was just consistently decent for like three straight seasons prior to that. And the most disappointing aspect has been the defense, where he got some credit for catching Sandy 
mm-hmm. on his way to a Cy Young and maybe they winning a Cy Young together. And then this season, um, all of a sudden, once you look at it, how Sandy regresses, you have to rethink how big a Stallings impact there really was in that mm-hmm. Cy Young season in the first place. And outside of that, it, it's just glaringly obvious that he doesn't control the running game. He doesn't frame pitches the way that he did before they acquired him. And he doesn't block the ball even as efficiently as he did. That was his big standout trait is receiving and blocking balls in the dirt. He's still fine at that, but not a standout. No. So there's just no like combination of skills that he has to really give you much value in the game, considering all that in his awful, awful hitting. Um, he hasn't hit a home run this season. I don't think he's come particularly close since the first couple weeks of the season. And he, yeah, I, I could go further, but I already, I did on my own pod um, not that long ago <laughs> on fish on first about it, where it's just abundantly clear that he's being miscast as a right now. He's basically splitting time evenly with Fortes. And that is, um, there's no way to justify that. He, he cannot be playing that much on a major league team. Um, with, with Fortes, he got off to a very slow start, disappointing start in his own right this season. Yeah. But with Stallings, he's at that stage of his career, given his age, given his contract status, where he's earning over $3 million this year, he's, he's eligible for another year of ARB next year. So um, they, they're not going. To, it's clear that he's not going to be on the team beyond this year. I know people want ch- change now. I'm not so much on the board of DFAing him now, um, more so that it's clear he's not part of the future. And Nick Fortes is really the one guy that's even close to available at the major league level right now who could be mm. I, i'd love to see them in the short term go, lean very heavily on fortes and play him four out of every five games ideally yeah. to really find out what they have in him because he is a very interesting piece of that where we've seen stretches of time where he's been a terrific all-around player and then mm-hmm. we've seen stretches like the start of the season for the, the first month plus where he was like sub replacement level in his own right. And as you touched on in the Herald, they went through the rest of the organization where the reason why Stallings isn't an imminent DFA candidate to me is because the next men up are not particularly inspiring. Um, there's no. Austin Allen and AAA who does some things better than Stallings in terms of framing pitches and hitting homers, but he's also um, his overall defensive package is not great and he doesn't run and he, he just doesn't get hits. <laughs> like, you know, he hits occasional home runs, like offensively, he's also going to be a pretty big liability and he's had previous major league opportunities failed in those opportunities. There's mm. Santiago Chavez at AAA, who is a very defensive minded guy. He's been around a while. There's just so little upside with him and a, a trending name that we've talked about ever since he joined the Marlins organization has been Paul McIntosh. As yeah. he, his bat is phenomenal. He is really highly regarded within the organization for his work ethic. Um, but he just does not look like he's going to be a major league defensive catcher that he just doesn't have his own throwing arm and his receiving. It's, it's really far away from what you generally expect in the mm. big leagues. He, he, and he's also hurt. He's been hurt for a while. He just hasn't played recently. So that's not an imminent option. Even if you do really love the bat it's it, organizationally, that is a big hole. They thought they addressed it when they made the Stallings trade that looked like it could be an impact trade and just has not worked out. So they have to come to terms with that not working out and pivot, do something else. Absolutely. There's a few there's a few bits to dig into there that I think you mentioned. Firstly, the Herald, I think the language they used, and I haven't got it in front of me, but I think the the, the description was it's a wasteland. An organizational wasteland or something along those lines for catcher. That's just how bad it is organizationally. 
the funny thing is, too, going into this year, where, uh, and you know, listen, this is part of a daily pod, right? Everything's on the record. Anyone could go back and listen to what I said. And uh, I say a lot of things. <laughs> but one of those was I was, in terms of position areas and groups, I was I was just of the mindset of, Catcher is fine. The Marlins, for, for the first time in a long time, are fine at catcher. They got Stallings, they got Fortes. No upgrades required. This is perfect. They finally fixed it. You know, we're not even out of May. <laughs> we're already done a complete U-turn on that, questioning is Fortes the one? And, you know, is Stallings, you know, well, I think we've you've already answered it. And Stallings, I don't think, is part of this organization beyond this year. And it may may not even get that far. So it's amazing how quickly these things can turn. It truly is. But that's kind of where we are. Um, and the other thing just to call out as well, Paul McIntosh. There's one, there's the biggest stand of him knocking around in Alex Ferrer. Whenever I see Alex Ferrer talking about the catching group, uh, Paul McIntosh is always uh, on his list. He's in his starting lineup every single time, no doubt. So he's been hiring him for a long time. I'm intrigued to see if he gets a go. You know, I'm not certain on his status, let's say, but you know, I'm intrigued to see, you know, do they give him a go? If he is particularly, you know, he's a stick first dude, are they willing to take that chance? Maybe get him up. We'll see on that one. Jesus Sanchez, though, speaking about a guy that status is clearer, a little bit clearer anyway, uh, rehab start uh, today, a AAA. So that's really encouraging because, you know, really unfortunate time in Jesus Sanchez where, you know, it was a tough start of the year. He then became the hottest hitter in baseball for a stretch and then the hamstring issue, mate. So big news for the Marlins because they desperately need these lefty sticks. Like they obviously struggle with a, with a lefty power stick and it's so essential to have that. Um, but just how encouraging is it to get Jesus back? I don't know where your head's at actually with Jesus Sanchez, whether you were back on the hype train, whether you're a believer, there's a lot to unpack with Jesus Sanchez so much because it's so variable, I think is right. the problem with him. Um, yeah. But nevertheless, the Marlins need him back, I'd say. Right. It is a pleasant surprise that we got the news today that he's beginning his rehab stint mm -hmm. after uh, being down for less than two weeks with that hamstring injury. That has yeah. that timeline has been quicker than anticipated. When Great. you start a rehab assignment, there are a few exceptions. But for the most part, this would point to him being back on the active roster within a week. A week yeah. at the very most on this coming homestand. If he doesn't make it back for that first series against the Padres, then next weekend against the Oakland A's, he should be back. Mm. Um, so and it is very important. It's a critical year for him. Um, we saw we we're talking about this coming into spring training, where the general consensus is that he made the team because he was a left-handed bench bat. They weren't really even they're barely playing him at all early in the year. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, in a very short period of time. He made a lot of believers out of people given the hot streak that he had. Mm -hmm. um, a couple, there was that stretch there against the Diamondbacks in that one series, right? About five or six different extra base hits. Mm -hmm. um, like when he gets hot, it is incredible to watch. His batted ball quality is pretty great. He's a guy to me that was bound to improve a little bit with the shift going away. He lost quite a few hits to the shift under the old rules. Yeah. Um, the questions with him, uh, it comes down to plate discipline in general, whether he can, he has this he generally struggles to reach fastballs up in the zone. There's going to be a certain number of strikeouts there. If pitchers can put that ball exactly where they want to hmm. as a defender and as a base runner, he's just fundamentally, he's not, ideally what you'd want to be in a player it feels like he leaves some value on the table 
with some of the decisions that he makes yeah. uh, on the field. And even though he's a relatively young player, you know, he's been in professional baseball at some level for almost a decade at this point, since he's signed as a teenager. I don't know how much that stuff meaningfully improves over the course of your career from this point forward with him. Um, this was always going to be a very important year for him. And I was happy to see him get playing time. I guess, I don't know how much of a coincidence it was that just as he was starting to heat up, Avi got hurt. That opened up a, a role for him to, yeah. to play. I, I thought it was very important to figure out what they have with him. The upside is pretty terrific. Mm-hmm. We it saw is. earlier this year and we saw at the beginning of last year as well. Um, if he can somehow uh, maintain that over a period of time, even if he's somebody that doesn't get on base quite as much as you like and isn't as well-rounded as a player, like he has the power to be a middle-of-the-order bad, uh, yep. plain and simple. And, and they need somebody like that somebody that's still young enough and affordable enough and controllable enough that they could um, consider building around for a while. So I'm very excited to see him back likely next week. They are all the problems the Marlins face into in exact opposite or reverse of Jorge Soler, where the power is absolutely legit. It's proven. It's been proven. And we've seen it even in Lone Depot. It plays. Problem is for the Marlins, he's got this opt out. He's going to opt out. Um, it's a very intriguing situation here because he's exactly what the Marlins acquired. He's, I mean, he was hurt last year and he's continued like the struggle with the back issues, having to play the field as well, particularly a little bit, maybe more than he'd like to. How do you see this all working out with Hoy Soler? Because the Marlins typically like to cash in on assets, but clearly they want to stay in the hunt this year. Um, the other option is to try and, do something creative with Jorge Soler in terms of making that opt-out irrelevant by reaching a new agreement. There's a few options on the table here, um, but I, I look up and down this organization right now and I struggle to see how they can they can plug the Jorge Soler gap if he's not on the roster next year, particularly considering maybe Garrett Cooper won't be you know either. Who knows what Jesus Sanchez you've got? Um, who knows Jazz's status? Um, you know, he's struggling to stay on the field um, for, you know, 150 a season. <sighs> There's a lot of decisions, I think. And I think Hoy Soler, he's a proven commodity. He is what he is. And the Marlins just organizationally don't seem to have, you know, a ton of power sticks just sitting there ready to progress and move up to the, the big league club. What, what do you think they do and how, how do they play this one? Yeah, I need to give him some credit, even though I expected him to have a bounce back here, not quite at this level. Every time mm-hmm. it seems that he's cooling off for a few days, he eats yeah. back up again. Then most recently having home runs in three consecutive games. Yeah, he's been awesome. Um, and it has been increasingly apparent that um highly, highly likely that he'll opt out and become a free agent at the end of the season. Um, given that he's performing so well, it is tempting to consider what he would get on as a trade asset because even though he is a rental when he's playing so well there is there will be so many takers for it as a guy that yeah. can um even though he's primarily dh he can fake it in the outfield occasionally there's going mm. to be a lot of potential fits there it's mm. it's going to be really tempting to get something in return if they don't um unless the team is really outstanding and and, and unless he is um you know they feel somewhat confident being able to retain him so it well, other complicating factor is that when he's at Lone Depot Park, he has, you know, to put it bluntly, is he has complained about the ballpark and like how it reacts with his back over there. That he mm-hmm. just it doesn't really um, 
he doesn't feel comfortable playing defensively and he doesn't even he's more comfortable on the road than he is at Lone Depot Park, even though the production has been outstanding at home. Yeah. So why would this be at the top of his list of would he really be as amicable to an extension as the Marlins are to keep him? Um, probably not. No. <laughs> I, good I point. It's a really yeah, good point. I, I don't, it's hard for me to exactly see an extension coming together in the middle of this year mm. um, with him. So yeah, to me, I think this is a case where if they are really are determined to win as many games as possible this season and the, the way they've behaved has really suggested so from calling yeah. up Yuri as early mm-hmm. as they did and then making this trade for Jonathan Davis um, where, where they felt they could get an incremental upgrade right away. I, I think all signs point to them just riding out this year with him and hope that he makes the difference between them sneaking in with the final wild card spot. Even if you don't keep them beyond this year, that would make the season incredibly successful for the team. So I would, yeah, I, th- I think they're going to ride it out and reassess in the off season. And then it's up to Bruce Sherman as to whether he's going to put down enough money to compete with other offers that he might get. Oh, <laughs> that's a, a worrying situation. But I mean, I, I, the point you made there around the, the number of suitors, I think is, is completely correct. Pretty much any team that's in the hunt, We'll be looking at Hoy Soler, and thus the Marlins will be, you know, there'll be a bidding war, and they'll be able to sell into that and maybe find a deal that the best suits them. It's all going to, I guess, boil down to where they're at, where the records are. Are they actually realistically in the mix for the wild card spot? And, you know, June, you know, will be a big factor in that. All, you know, all games, all months are a big factor. So we'll see. But it's going to come down to, like, if the, if the Marlins are 10 games over, crazily, at the deadline, you know, Hoy Soler should absolutely not be traded um, at that point. If they're 500, hovering 500, or even slightly below, I think you have to really strongly consider it, considering the return package for that. Should be okay. Should be pretty good, um, considering the impact, the track record of Soler, his impact, obviously, in the World Series. Like, the guy can perform on the biggest of stages, and so clubs will see that. Um, we're going to call it a day. We've gone over 40 minutes, so I need to let Eli carry on with his day, and I need to go and open up a bottle of wine. It is a Friday, of course, so that has to be done. Um, Firstly, I want to thank Eli for joining me um, at pretty short notice, I would say, um, but it felt like the right day for us to to come together. Um, Eli, please, before we wrap this up, remind everyone one last time where they need to transition to, where they need to migrate to, what everyone needs to be doing straight after this episode if they haven't already. The biggest thing I want people to do, our loyal, lovely Twitter audiences, find us at Fish On First. That is the new account where we are doing, I can't reiterate this enough, exactly what we were doing at the previous place. If you liked what we were doing at the previous place, then you are going to like it even more, what we're doing here. So find us there so that you can, obviously, the wide variety of updates that we provide throughout the day, every day, about the Marlins over there. Um, we think we do a pretty good job at it. And uh, the website, same name, fishonfirst.com. So that is where we're going to continue to pump out uh, daily articles of, of a wide variety of topics related to the team, covering it as thoroughly as we can. It's finally in sync for people that are listening to our podcast. Um, this is just catching up with what we were already doing on the pod channel for a couple months now. And so I am uh, relieved that we have kind of pulled the plug on what we we're previously doing and now aligning things this way 
So yeah, people just find us there and continue enjoying what we do. And um, thank you, Peter, for helping me get everybody on the same page. This this whole effort is going to be a process to get everybody caught up. But this has been such a huge step to uh, keep people up to speed on it. Awesome. Awesome. Um, well, we didn't even speak at all. We haven't mentioned the team, the series we're about to play. We're, <laughs> the Marlins have carried on this uh, three-city road trip. They're now in Anaheim. Game's kicking off this evening. Series starts this evening. Um, so I apologize for that in some ways, but there was so much to catch up on. Um, but the, Mar- the Marlins are playing uh, the Angels tonight. And you can catch every pitch of the Marlins' hometown broadcast uh, with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Uh, just search Marlins. The game starts funky start time, I would say. It's a 9.38 Eastern start time. Funky start time. For those that are listening that are in the UK, that's 2.38 a.m. 2.38 a.m. West Coast baseball and UK fans is not the match. I must call it out. But I know that Sean Barrett will stay up for that if nobody Sean, else does. I know, I, I know he will be. <laughs> He's probably having a snooze right now in anticipation of that game. Um, he actually texted me about three hours ago, and it was a very sunny backdrop, and there was a very fizzy alcoholic beverage in front of him at that point. So, yeah, hope, I'm sure Sean will be listening, and he'll be watching live at some point. I will not. I'll be catching up in the morning. I'll probably catch the back end of that live if I wanted to. But Either way, head over to the uh, SiriusXM app um, for the, uh, the hometown broadcast, of course. Guys, that's us done on Friday's episode. I thank Eli for joining me. There is a bonus episode, and it drops tomorrow. There's a Saturday episode because there was no episode on Thursday. So there's a Saturday episode, and it's with my good friend Nick. Um, Nick Wright, who is over right now. He's a UK-based fan. He runs the Twitter handle, LA Angels UK. He is over in Anaheim for the full series, um, uh, for the Angels Marlin series. So we are going to be recording tomorrow in advance of Shohei Otani start tomorrow for the Angels. So he's going to be hyped. I'm going to be hyped, and there's going to be a Saturday episode. So let's hope the Marlins start hot in Anaheim, and then we're going to be talking to Nick tomorrow looking in advance, hopefully, of the Marlins winning that series. We'll see you then.